and just vibe and hop on this ill dynasty tie cause we going no slowing on the mic you know we always just flowing so come ride and just vibe and hop on this ill dynasty tie cause we going no slowing on the mic you know we always just flowing Yeah, 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 man. We are live. Episode number three of Conversations. I'm your host, CJ Lowe. Very special guest in the building, man. Been one of my best friends since sixth grade. Uh, Turned into family. Always been a real genuine person. Never left my side and always supported me. Elijah Crespi, how you doing, bro? Yo, what's up, CJ? Good to be here. Good, man. Thank you for coming. I appreciate you. Um, What's been going on in the world of Elijah? Um... man a lot uh let's see ever since i once we graduated went to university of kansas for two years decided for a variety of reasons maybe we'll get into but just wasn't for me i wasn't getting the value i thought you know i was putting into it uh very expensive out of state i was paying for it myself and then decided to cut the uh cut the nonsense and move home, start paying off the the two years I did. Um, Got a job at a restaurant here in town and it took me a little over a year, but I was able to get back on my feet, move out of my parents' crib. Now live down in Denver, a couple blocks away from Coors Field. Um, And yeah, that's uh, that's been the gig. A lot of stuff has been happening ever since the pandemic, but. For sure. Do Do you regret leaving school? Uh, not at all. Not at like all. not for a second. And um, there's like a bunch of reasons for that. But do, I would you, say, do, do you recommend college to people? Uh, it depends on what you are hoping to get out of it. Like, if you are planning on going into one of the STEM fields, so like science, tech, um, I forget what the E is, and then mathematics. Um, all of those uh, more like very technologically focused, very biologically focused, science-based, yeah, like university is like an excellent place for you to go. Um, But what I was doing, it was political science and um, anything in the liberal arts and really any of the social sciences, humanities, um, you can pretty much get the same education going to a library, picking up books, and then just formulating your own thoughts and opinions about what you're, the content you're reading. Yeah. Um, Cause that's all it really was. Like once you get out of like the first two years of like your general, you know, couple years of English classes, math classes, biology classes, um, then you go into like your degree, uh, your degree studies and political science, for example, it was just like, here's $500 worth of books that if you go to a library, you can just rent them for free. Um, And then like the whole class will be, you read X amount of the book, we discuss it in lecture, and then you write a paper about it. And so, I don't know, I was paying 30,000 a year to do that. And when you're 18, you don't realize how much 30K is, so. For sure, for sure, nah, man. I think college, I was just talking to a friend of mine the other day and he made a good point to me of like, you know, we want to make America great again. And 
realistically in the times America was great, a lot of people got straight out of high school and went to work at factories and work at these jobs because those jobs were available. Yeah. It wasn't the American dream, come here, go to school, go to college, get a degree, and you're going to live good. You know what I mean? I think over time we've kind of created this you need to go to college to be successful environment, and if you don't, you're not going to succeed. You may get up there, and but you're not going to get to that tip point top if you don't go to college. So, you know, it's funny to me to hear people say, make America great again. Well, if we're going to do that in terms of college, a lot of people won't go to college. They'll go straight to those jobs. And I think getting that experience helps them immediately as an 18-year-old. You know what I mean? And kind of like, if I may kind of point out what I think is like a problem into why we're associating college with, you know, success and all of that. Like, historically, we haven't really had an opportunity to be able to, you know, go get educated, therefore, you know, increase our, like, ability to think critically and, like, have a complex analysis or something. Like, that's a relatively new thing. So, you know, when we got out of, you know, World War II and all of a sudden universities became very accessible and people saw like the great things that people were doing after they left those universities, we immediately associated, you know, the success and the potential of it with universities. Over time, it's changed for a variety of reasons. But, you know, in 2020, guys like us, we cannot go to school, we can avoid, you know, sacrificing our future by not taking on, on average, $100,000 worth of debt. Most people we know don't really have to pay for that, but a lot of people I met in college yeah. actually are, you know, taking loans out and having to pay for it. Yeah, that, that's and, definitely a big thing that Boulder creates. That's yeah. when you, I think I think a lot of people from Boulder, when they go out of state, they get hit with that reality that there is a Boulder bubble mm-hmm. of the false reality, the false comfort of just life in general. You know yeah. what I mean? Like all of a sudden, you know, you go to school, your parents are paying for it. Yeah, it's like... I mean, yeah, you might, you know, plenty of people worked hard and like got partial scholarships and stuff like that. Also a product of, you know, Boulder being a rather educated city. Like, so that alleviates the expenses on their parents to an extent, which it's like good for you. But the point I think we're making is when you aren't directly responsible for your own education, like you kind of lose a sense of how expensive it really was. And then when you get told things like, you know, we should just make education free for everybody. Like, you don't get it. Like, that requires just such an obscene amount of money. It it requires an obscene amount of money, but doing something like that could help, what would you say, 60 to 70% of America? Oh, I'd say even less than that. You think even less? You think, think, what percentage of America do you think can afford college? Well, right now, like afford college comfortably is probably like 20% of America tops. So making it free would help around 80%. Um, Depends on what you think college can do for that 80% of this population. Um, And something I really mean by that is like as somebody who experienced just a pretty middle of the road state school, University of Kansas. No no hate on University of Kansas. It's the greatest place in the country, don't yeah, get me KU, wrong. KU. KU's KU great. Rock Chalk. But that being said, like, you know, the like 
there's like this nostalgia people associate with higher education that to me, I did not experience at all. Um, to me, like the concept of college, that's kind of like culturally ingrained in my opinion is like this place where you can go and like challenge, you know, challenge your ideas and like, it's like ironic because it technically was like the original safe space of thought because it was a space dedicated to like being able to be hyperbolic and have crazy opinions and, you know, all this stuff, but it was within the confines of reason, you know, but that has kind of been perverted. And, you know, what I experienced when I went to college was there is a very clear and a good amount of unclearly defined set of reasonable things to talk about you know you can acknowledge the differences in culture but if you comment on it you're a you know you're a bigot or a racist because you know you because we've un we unlocked like the higher understanding of you know how people should talk to each other yeah. and we found i don't know it's like this intellectual approach to social and human interaction mm -hmm that didn't foster a space of like, you know, out there ideas or, you know, crazy counterculture ideas yeah. or whatever. And it's like, I don't know, people are afraid of a bad idea so much that they won't even let themselves hear it. They won't even let themselves hear it. They won't even, they won't even, they'll have that thought and they'll just let it disappear. They yeah. won't even, they won't even put it out into the universe at all because they're afraid of the repercussions. That was something I was talking about is, people are so scared of what another person is going to think about what they say or how they think about something, a different perspective, you know what I mean? That they're afraid to say. It. And it's like, just say it, man. Because again, like we were just talking about earlier, something we say can just change the way someone thinks just like that. Just a quick thought that we had could change 30 different people. You know what I mean? So why not put that out into the world? People are just, and you think college suppresses that now? I do. More so. Yeah. A lot. Okay. Yeah. For sure. For sure, man. Well, let's 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 get in deep right now. <laughs> let's get in deep. You sent me a hot take last night. I did. A very hot take. Um, yeah. Beautifully written, man. Beautifully articulated. Every point was very respectfully put. Um, and knowing you for so long, it was very powerful to read. So. I appreciate you. Have you thought about putting it out or letting anyone else read it? Because I encourage you to. Yeah, um, I have thought about it uh, from the few people I have shared it with. I've gotten, you know, really just kind of positive responses from, um, which kind of worries me to an extent because, you know, I'm in which I'm hoping and I'll probably get out of this conversation. I'm when I put something out to people I like, you know, love and trust it's because I want them to point out what was wrong in my way of thinking. So I'm able to refine my argument, sharpen, you know, my, my own opinion. And that being said, I haven't really considered sharing it publicly. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, to the extent of just like p uh, posting or publishing yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because I'm, I'm very careful given in how permanent things are online. For sure. That, I don't want to put put something out that I don't fully understand and believe, yeah. but also, okay. you know, I'm not capable of defending in the way I know it needs to be defended. If Definitely. that makes sense. No, that makes sense. You, you want to make sure it's refined. So 
you have the best argument possible exactly. before you let everyone exactly. hear it. I understand that. Because, well, and a big part of that is I'm just so exhausted with like, you know, people just trying to get like a clickbaity reaction and yeah. just trying like to drive anger and really that's it. Anything that people just like post out of like anger or, you know, like pain or anything that to me isn't like a well thought out like process of ideas yeah is gonna do not only themselves a disservice but the people reading it a disservice as well definitely one one big point you made in that in what you wrote which i fully agree with right now is um white people feeling like they have to be ashamed of themselves and who they are for sure um and even though they may have lived a very genuine, honest life and just been a good person to everyone, no matter yeah. skin color, you know, anything, they judge people off character. Um, and that hit home for me because I had a friend tell me, you know, w he was arguing with people and he told me point blank, I, I'm not going to be ashamed to be white right now because of everything that's going on, mm -hmm. because I know who I am. And he said, I'm not posting online. I'm not going crazy online because you know who I am. Yeah. The people around me know who I am. So why do I need to go on social media and, you know, I don't feel comfortable going to March. You know what I'm saying? I don't feel comfortable doing that. And I, me personally, I don't either. And I told him that, you know what I mean? So I understand where the, that's why I love how you put it in your piece. Um, why you think people shouldn't be ashamed of who they are as long as they've lived a good genuine life yeah don't be ashamed for something your fathers have done or your grandfathers or ancestors have done yeah. you had no control over that what you have control of is what you're doing right now with your person and your body you know what i mean so mm -hmm. I, I i really enjoyed that part about it yeah i appreciate it of course man of course what what sparked you to just get into that um it was a uh... This all has been a product of just like years of like really like almost three years at this point of having enough time to think about it. All right. It, let me backtrack. I haven't ever since I dropped out consistently been like running with the crowd. Yeah. I've just been like head down working and, you know, I have like bits of social interaction with my old crowds. I've visited Kansas a couple times, but you know, what everything I saw on when I was with, you know, people my age, um, it just felt like it was not lining up with how I was trying to operate. And so I kind of like started to feel some level of just separation from my peers. That combined with my actual experiences in college of you know, essentially there's a certain set of ideas you're allowed to speak on within a certain type of context. We would prefer you speak about them. Yeah. And I also felt really separated from, you know, the fostering of the intellectual mind that mm -hmm. was going on mm -hmm. in just universities in general. Yeah. And so I was kind of like looking at how I wasn't connecting with, you know, people on like an intellectual level i wasn't really connecting with people on like a social level which is really weird because like if you knew me growing up like you did you would never think that was going to happen like yeah. i was all i all like i needed to you know have a circle to run in and have my ideas accepted 
in order to like be content yeah and like once i kind of dropped that it kind of allowed me to like think more clearly about what what made me feel like i was disconnecting on so many different levels now exactly and uh the more and more i thought about that i had a lot more time um you know i was really dealing with a lot of like it's a long deep story but i was dealing with kind of just like this existential dread and i really think a lot of people misunderstand like what existentialism is but um what what is it for people who don't know try and explain it best yeah so and again i'm just some punk 22 year old so (laughs) it's like i'm not about to spit out some webster definition but to me it's kind of like a concept that it's it's a morbid concept with a practical way of making it better the concept is you're only guaranteeing constant in life is you're going to suffer in some way shape or form you don't know what time uh like what time period you're going to be born into what class you're going to be born into what racial category you're going to be in what minority group you're going to be in or ethnic group or if you're going to be physically tall or short or attractive or not attractive like despite whatever lucky hand you draw when you enter this uh this world like you are like you're going to suffer in some way so existentialists accept that you know kind of starting point to life and then they take it a step further and this is where i think people have the disconnect it's our choice like we now have a set of choices understanding that we're going to suffer no matter what we now have an opportunity to make choices that either increase the suffering in our own life, which will inevitably increase the suffering around around me, or we can make choices that will accept that suffering, take responsibility for my actions, and choose to, you know, live a better life than I have been taught and, you know, I don't even know, like, live it, just live a better life, live a better life than you were born into. Yeah, and exactly. You had choice that's over, it. Then you yeah. had choice over. Definitely, yeah. man. Definitely, man. That's I like that a lot. Um, another part I wanted to get into about it with you, you said, um, and I have it, I wrote some notes down here on it. You said, um, because we the privilege and I put privilege in air quotes, yeah. feel ashamed of our ancestors and family before us. We feel the need to get on our knees and recite the words of the oppressed. Um, and coming from a ni- minority perspective on that specific statement, I think it's not so much as we're asking you to do that, to get on your knees and recite the words of the oppressed. We're, we're, we're saying we shouldn't have to say, oh, no, you can be all right. You know what I mean? You, you're left out because, no, you've been a good person. We're... We shouldn't even have to tell you that. You know what I mean? You shouldn't want that. You know, I that's from a minority perspective. Um, just we, you should be a genuine person, like you were saying, and we shouldn't even have to acknowledge that because that's how everyone should be. But because you're a genuine person, you should, in one way, shape, or form, call out the racism that is going on. Yeah. So whether that be, and I think that's what a lot of people social media is just everyone expects someone to get on social media and post it. You know what I mean? At least be talking about it with the people around you. You know what I mean? And make sure everyone around you's understanding is what's going on is systemic racism. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Let them know George Floyd, that was murder. These people who are being killed, they are being murdered. You know what I mean? Yeah. L at least let them know that. And I think that's what's getting misconstrued with social media is I don't care about you posting that. You know what I mean? But when I see you, when I talk to you, you know what I mean? I, I hope that you understand that it is real and we do feel everything that's going on because it's not just right now what's going on. This is generations you know what i mean hundreds of years yeah and and i think every time we get so close we think we're there something like this happens and we kind of get a snap back to reality of like whoa do we really have any freedom are we really being treated how we march to be treated how our idols you know dr martin luther king who you were talking about in your piece who he was murdered for you know what I mean? Did, did we get to where he wanted? And I think that's where a lot of the anger comes from. Yeah. And why statements like that, we, we don't, why I wanted to address it, we don't want you to be, like I said, I don't want you to be out there marching with me if, if you're not comfortable with that. Yeah. And you don't need to do that. Don't feel the need to do that. But at least feel the need to like what you're doing. Educate the people around you and make a point to educate it. You know what I mean? At least have one conversation with the people around you about what's going on, like a real conversation. I, yeah. I still see people for the last month or so with everything, everything that's been going on with George Floyd since then. They're just posting bikini pics. They're posting like getting smacked, you know what I mean, with their friends. And it's like, are you even looking at the world? You know what I mean? Like, this is real. Yeah. And like, I understand you got to have fun, things like that. You got to live your life. But like, this is a moment in time, and you should be conscious of that. You know what I mean? And I wish more people were being conscious of it. Got it. But like I said, man, I think from a minority perspective with that, it's not that we want you to be out there saying the words of the oppressed. You yeah. know what I mean? We just want you to address it and understand it and not even let us know you understand it, but at least be doing it. You yeah. know what I mean? Don't be silent because there's silence on social media, don't care. Don't be silent in who you are as a person and the people around you. A lot to unpack there. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you're good. Um, so just so I, you know, feel like I'm hearing you and understanding you, mm -hmm. it's not so much the, and to give people a little context, what I was referring to when I said, you know, people in shame, like brought to their knees, like with their arms held high, like saying the words of the, chanting the words of the oppressed, I yeah. think is what I said. That was like in relation to just a very specific instance uh, in Bethesda, Maryland, where a community, it's like, I think it's like 95% white. Um, I would assume it's similar to Boulder, kind of what we were talking about earlier. It's not so much like they're bigots or like, you know, biased or like unconscious racist. But they like overcompensate mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And I thought Definitely. that was a perfect way to describe what they were doing, which is like they felt so, you know, shame and so much shame and guilt, not because of what they personally have done. I'm sure maybe some of them, but in my perspective, from what they've been told, they've been guilty of, like, which is just a really disunifying way to approach things in my opinion but that's a different conversation my point i was making was 
you know, yeah, it was just like a microcosm, but the whole statement of, you know, don't let your shame let you do things that you feel like is just, I don't know, going too far to an extent. Like, I don't know. I can't really describe it, but I just felt like a lot of religious symbolism. If you, you feel like if you've been a good person, don't come out of your skin Yeah. just because you feel shame for what someone before you has done. Yeah. And it's like, I get the, you know, the BLM movement as a whole in aggregate isn't being, you know, like a larger version of what happened in Bethesda, Maryland, Mm -hmm. or, you know, when the white community was washing the feet of the black community in North Carolina or any of that. Like that was insane to me. Yeah. That, that that was, that that was insane. That was nuts. But to me is too far. But, and that's my point. It's like, I'm not really concerned about like the main, like the main beef of the, the movement. I'm more concerned at how, such a powerful movement is able like yeah it's just a few extreme cases but we thought this whole cancel culture was limited to like colleges and that's exploded into like our whole society yeah and so my worry is you know the blm movement is kind of at risk of being hijacked in like a trojan horse fashion Mm -hmm. by people who just want to actually see like you know every statue of the founding fathers ripped down yeah like abraham lincoln getting ripped down like yeah, yeah. literally like the you know it's the, just beyond me something i saw with the statues um andrew schultz he's a comedian he yeah. does a show um he put something out and he was like saying how if we're gonna say every statue needs to come down because they were racist we have to take every statue down because all these people at some point in their lives, especially our founding fathers, they were all racist. You know what I yeah. mean? They were a part of it. Well, you know what here's I mean? my here's my question to you. Like, do you think that was unique to America or do you think that was a more just majority privilege as opposed to like a white privilege situation? Like, think of the, it was in a time frame where literally if you had more bodies, you had more control. Yeah. Like, plain and simple. It's either different cultural groups in Asia, like the Mongols, they amassed enough people where they literally just ran train and took over the entire Europe and uh, Asian continent. Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't him being like Asian privilege and like an Asian supremacist. That was just, he had more bodies. That's what they did. He's expanding and he's expanding. And so my point is colonial, uh, colonial America and all of its founding fathers were part of a majority class. And to think that, you know, like slavery wasn't, wouldn't have been a thing. Like there were Mayan cultures that enslaved other, you know, um, Mesoamerican uh, like tribes and Uh stuff. There were Native American tribes that had uh, slaves of other Native Americans. Yeah. And it's like, and what hurts me the most is like, I understand that like we engaged in slavery and we even when we, you know, emancipated the slaves, we immediately went to Jim Crow. And it's like what I think is happening right now is like we've it's like what's happening with the protests. It's and this is like kind of just coming to me like the George Floyd protests are like on day 21 right now. Yeah. And it's like, I'm sorry, but the dude and all three of the other officers have gotten charges 
And now, like, and sadly, Derek Chauvin's at risk of getting overcharged, which is a real thing people need to consider. Like, just because it goes from third to second degree. I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure I did read somewhere that they just let three of the officers out, though. Like, well, they, they might have let them bail. out on bail or something. They didn't pay their bail. And a lot of people were upset about well, it. Well, then I'd have to, like, see the... I'd have to see the facts. But yeah. my point is, like... The other three officers, and there's a lot of context, it was two people who were rookies on the job, and, like, a third one, like, there's a lot of chain of command in those situations, and PTSD, and the whole point is, like, Derek Chauvin had already had 18 complaints before that, so at a certain point, there's your, a good case of the whole systemic racism thing, but to me, that's more of just systemic incompetency, like, I really don't think that not like 99% of the police force, you know, there were, I read a stat, there were 30 million or like, yeah, 30 million police interactions last year. Yeah. And of those 30 million police interactions, 1,107 resulted in a police shooting a civilian. Of those 1,107, just take a guess at how many were black Americans. 300. 297. All right, my point is, out of, like, I get the idea that, you know, there's systemic issues, but to, and I, and I understand there's certain small instances of, you know, dis, um, disproportionate uh, rulings in a courtroom, mm-hmm. and I can give you credit where credit's due, but to say the entire, that's indicative of the entire system, like, what we're seeing now is people are frustrated that the system hasn't appeared perfect and it never will. And that's just the fault of humanity, not because of, you know, like, which is like, we get mad at the people who are in office, but like we elected them. So it's like, it's a fault of our own that we've just allowed this problem to happen deep in the system, but just like lose faith in the system is what's happening now. People just won't adhere to the law and there's no chance of repairing that, at least in the amount of time that it could have done had we not reacted like this. And my whole point is it's on day 21 of the protests and whether or not they got the full justice, like Derek Chauvin at least will be prosecuted. Like I believe he's going to get like, you know, deemed a murderer in front of the jury. I do think that. And so he'll get sent away and he'll do a lot of time. Like, we can talk about how he should be getting the death penalty, but that's just, like, a conversation we can have. For sure. But Do, do you think that, because something I've seen personally that I feel is that police who have addressed the situation going on have more so been defending themselves? You know what I mean? Whereas, well, like, NYPD chief, he comes out with his whole staff behind him and talks about, you know... Stop saying police are bad. And the media is totally running away with the story to make, you know, the sides are just going at it. The clickbaity side, they're just going at it. Everything's geared towards the election at this point, bro. But they're not addressing what that, they're not saying what that officer did was murder and we understand. Well, I think, and from my perspective, it's because have you found one person who was like, yeah, like Derek Chauvin is like an American hero. Like, no, like, but I get, I get it. But it's like, I think like I'm saying from a minority perspective, at least let me know that you understand that 
Well, so every single every single police so department across America needs to have their police chief vocalized. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying when you go to make a public statement like he did, yeah. and you have 50 officers behind you, you let us know that you understand, but you cannot tolerate what is happening to your people. Just like we can, we all can't tolerate what's happening to these minorities. You yeah. know what I, I think that's a better way to put it rather than just defend, defend, defend the police for 10 minutes well, to the media. Okay, well, you're talking about the, like the, like the chief of the police union who's getting out, like defending cops with all the cops behind them in yes. New York. All right. Yes, all, yeah, sitting there all with face masks. Yeah, yeah so <laughs> all that, <bullshit. laughs> well, dude, no. Like, well, the ironic thing is at the end of the day, like face masks are the probably the best thing that people could be doing. And it's just what leads me to like be I'm pissed off at people in power on the right and people in power on the left for it's respective all, reasons. It's I'm all just done with all of it. It's all ridiculous. But anyway, bro. I as far as that police chief, I get where he's coming from because his whole force were pulling like 12 to 16 hour shifts overstaffed every single person if you're in the line of duty who could be out in the city everyone was out there and then de blasio the mayor like starts reeling all the cops in like blaming like it's just it's what there's divide on all levels well yeah and it's just like what do you expect the chief of police to do when literally his entire job is to stand up like he's not even the chief of police he's like the head of the police union and that dude's whole job is to advocate for the recognition that police have a vital role in the communities they're policing 100 and it's like regardless of whoever's committing the crime like the fact that you have law enforcement helps out with that problem that problem that'll exist no matter what yeah and so he wasn't saying like i think he's coming from a point of view like we're just getting shit on from every single side possible. Nobody is happy with cops right now. Nobody. No matter what. At least doing. like nobody who's vocal or yeah. nobody who has enough power to like get, blood, that, like, get, get their out. voice out. Yeah. I, and I so agree. it's like my critique of people who hate Trump. It's like you shit on the dude enough times, he'll probably like, you know have a bad day and like react poorly yeah and it's like cool sure. you get like one week of news of like look at what trump did but it's like now it just deteriorates we're just deteriorating each other because we don't have any adherence to authority in yeah sense. yeah no where i stand on it is saying all cops are bad it's just not good because that statement and treating them all like that you're turning a good, genuine person. Well, all, anything is a bad statement, in my opinion. And like, what do you mean? Like, I think the concept that we can just make a blanket claim that everybody, like, yeah, obviously everyone matters. Like, we all have some something within us. Some people call it, like, the fact we're created by God. Some people just say, like, we have an energy. Like, we're all connected with energy. Yep. Like, we all have some way of rationalizing and believing that we have value intrinsically within all of us. And so it's like, yeah, that's a given. But, you know, to me, it's like, we're all capable of being a good person and a rotten person. Yeah. And so you have to prove to me that you're a like not prove to me by like, 
you know, like I will trust you until you give me a reason not to trust mm -hmm. you is what I'm yeah, saying. I got you. And so you can't say like all lives matter, like with the intent of saying like, you know, don't, you know, encourage any disparity or discrimination between people. Like, yeah. I think discrimination is a natural thing. If you do it in a way of like, I'm not hanging out with you because you're black. Like that's no longer just discrimination. That's racism. Yeah. But like to discriminate between competent people or people who will look out for each other. Like I discriminate between who I hang out with every yeah. day, every day. Yeah. I discriminate what I eat. I discriminate mm -hmm. what music I listen to. It's just a different type. Yeah. And, and it depends when it makes that jump in for, for a certain mass of people. Yeah. And so to say like, we should end all discrimination just on the basis of we have intrinsic value. It's like, mm -hmm. all right, well, like, and this is probably a hot take, but it's like my personal frustration with the black lives matter movement, like is really only, all right. I understand that cops killed, um, 300 black individuals last year, but you're letting yourselves like, the black community is letting themselves get swindled, in my opinion, by Democrats, by believing that when they say, like, the right side of the aisle wants to put you back in chains, vote for us. Like, and then their cities are the ones like Chicago, where it's not the fact that black people kill black people, but they're in a society where the highest death rate or cause of death by black Americans is black Americans. Yeah. Like you look at the FBI death statistics, murder statistics last year, and 7,000 of the 11,000 deaths were from other black individuals. And my, my whole beef is like, if you're going to make all these sweeping claims, like defund the police X, Y, Z, then look at like your own neighborhoods and like the own people you voted in for that has let Derek Chauvin get like continue policing with 18 problems yeah. yeah that's like the minneapolis city that's been in like power from one side of the aisle for 100 years doing that that's not donald trump who's signing an, an executive order like yeah. to better police enforcement yeah i think being a cop right now and you addressed it too you know i've seen multiple videos of cops you know they're sitting there chanting with protesters and the protesters say that's not enough yeah that's not enough it's a start you know whoa whoa address that he's making an effort you know what i mean and i've seen videos of cops they start kneeling and 10 out of the like 15 cops kneel and the protesters aren't sitting there shaking the cops hands yeah. they're sitting there yelling at the three other cops who are refusing to kneel yeah well why are they refusing to kneel maybe because you've been yelling fuck 12 fuck pigs i'm gonna kill you you're a bitch i'm gonna See your, I'm gonna see you at your house. I'm gonna find you. Maybe that's why they're afraid to uh, get on their knee. They don't know what's about to happen. Yeah. And that's because of, like you were saying, the way we reacted to the situation. I think initially so violently because I think it has calmed down the last week to two. Weeks. I mean, have you seen In Atlanta? Atlanta, yes. How do you feel about that? Um, because I, what I saw was an individual who was sitting in his car parked with the engine on, who was belligerently drunk. He failed a DUI test. The two cops, like there's like a recording of 30 minutes of them peacefully going through the test with them, trying to get him to just get in the car so they can take him down to the station for a night. Mm -hmm. And like, it's a 
like they tried everything they could do to do it peacefully. Yeah. And then at the very moment of them just saying like, all right, thank you. We're just going to put these handcuffs on you. That's when he gets paranoid and justifiably like we can have that conversation, Mm -hmm. but still he gets paranoid, tries running away. They don't do anything like extreme. The cops don't, they try and tackle him, bring him to the ground so they can then put him, you know, like get him into Mm -hmm. his cuffs. Yeah. He then, Brooks, then takes the taser, takes the taser from the cop, tries to get one of them while they're on the ground, which causes the police to recoil away. Mm -hmm. And then so he's able to run away. And then they're not doing, like, they're not shooting him. One cop has the gun and one cop is chasing. The cop that is chasing, like, was doing his thing. The dude with the gun probably wasn't going to shoot until the Brooks with the taser turned around and tried to fire the taser at the cop chasing him which at that point the cop with the gun shot brooks twice in the back and so that's not a unarmed non-dangerous individual because he removed yeah it's not a deadly weapon but it's still a weapon and still considered like that for sure yeah i have i have like you said i have mixed mixed reviews on it and mixed feelings on it because I watched the video too, and I fully agree. Everything that you said happened, happened. And they're saying witnesses who were there are the reason that they arrested him. Witnesses who saw what happened. They interviewed some eight to 10 people who were sitting there because there was a long line in the drive-thru when this was going on because he had fallen asleep in the drive-thru, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, So they're saying because of witness statements, that's why they're charging him. Well, what were the witness statements? Um, I'm not 100% sure. I didn't read into them too much. But that's also that. And again, with your reasoning, that could be clickbait. You know what I mean? Witness just to get you to click on that and get you to understand the story. I think the craziest part about it, what's going on now, is that the police have stopped responding in multiple zones of Atlanta. They stopped accepting phone calls. They've stopped responding to anything going on. So what's about to happen? You know what I mean? I, I can tell you what's going to happen. They, and it's a real shame because I w- wish no police would do this, but they're literally just walking into what the people who are using BLM as a Trojan horse, in my opinion. I can't really tell you them. You know, it, to me, it's just people who want to see America taken down. Yeah. And for whatever reason, like they want police out of the picture. So they call for defunding the police, try and create all this animosity. Police have been finding razor blades in their food. Yeah. Like crazy. Dude, I, some I saw four sh- police officers get uh, poisoned yeah. with some milkshakes dude, or something like, like that. Why would any, no one, the future of the police force is just guaranteed over because no one's going to want to be a cop. Yeah. But now the current cops are just quitting because they're tired of, their job is to protect their communities. Mm-hmm. The problem with urban environments is it's not local cops policing the locals. Yeah. But like, I don't know. I have plenty of friends with cops who are like parent who have parents who are cops. And I've been talking to them throughout this. And it's just like the morale across the board, depending on if it's my homie Tanner's dad, who he is like small town America cop or city cops or like a suburban cop. Like everybody's just getting shit on all the time if you're in police. No one gives you a decent like thank you or anything like that. Yeah. And they get th- like every day they scroll through their phone and it's like your job sucks. You're like an evil human just by 
association with your badge. Yeah. And so they want them to leave. So they're leaving and it's going to cause like, look at what happened in Ferguson in Baltimore after, um, the, um, was that Michael Brown or Trayvon Martin? No, no, I believe it was Michael Brown. It was Michael Trayvon Brown. Martin was in Florida. Right. With, uh, yeah, George yeah, yeah. Zimmerman. Yeah. It was, um, I just forgot his name. Michael Brown. I believe it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, after that incident, you saw that's what's fucked up. We just forget that shit. Well, yeah, we just forget that <laughs> shit. And dude, it's like people think it was all Gucci under Obama. It's like yeah. that shit happened under Obama, just like it's happening under Trump yep. too, which is like For another sure. conversation. Mm-hmm. But um, like people don't understand that there was a twenty percent decrease in policing in the city of Ferguson after that, and there was like I think they had like seven hundred and thirty something. Un, like unnecessary deaths and they describe unnecessary deaths as likely preventable deaths had there been law enforcement and so what we're going to see is on a large scale we're just going to see the murder rate just like go through the roof yeah like across and we're already seeing that like we're seeing like and then that's going to allow domestic violence to go up it's going to allow like you know rape charges or rape instances to go up everything everything and that's because as much as people hate to hear it and understand it, like I really believe more police takes crime away for many logical reasons, but also it's just like, we just, we just need to disassociate the idea that crime is associated to race, which I think is a, a, a valid, a valid problem that is going on too many people. And we've seen it and I've seen it with the looting videos like the majority of looters have been white, hands down. Hundred percent. The person 100%. who burned down that Wendy's, I believe, was, a was white in chick. Atlanta, was a white. Yeah, woman. it was a white. And chick. that I'm not okay with, bro. Well, dude, I know, and I'm not okay with that either. Except it's a product of guilt and shame, and not thinking that the system is worth like existing because you've just been locked down for four months. I like, and I lost like your how job. you said that because I like how you said. It's a product of the shame that we feel because I was just going to say from a minority perspective, that feels like those are the people that are hijacking the movement. Yeah. Hey, hey, because almost every single video that you've seen of a white person lighting something on fire has been of a of a African-American person. Yeah. Saying like saying cut that shit out. You're going to they're going to say it's us. Yes. They're going to say it's us. Yes, bro. Well, dude. Yeah. And so that. All right. That is a perfect example of the media, like really in general, like ironically saying it's like for black lives or whatever, but then still only posting the, you know, high instances of looting out of like a bunch of like, you know, a black community in New York where it's just like, all right, it's not like all the criminals in there are black people. It's just everyone in there are black people and there are some criminals. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, you can find videos of only black people running into a store, just like, you know, you can see the actual large majority of these lootings happening. And it's clearly just a bunch of white people not giving a fuck. Not giving a shit. And yeah. so, um, but to kind of touch on what you just said, um, like it's people who feel like the, like the people hijacking it are hijacking it, not only because they've been told, you know, all like, like, it's a really complicated thing. This is why I think people don't, 
connect is like a majority of this is rooted in class differences too. Yeah. Yeah. Like just, and that's, and that makes sense because people like say, you know, I've associated and we've been brought up, educated saying, you know, if you're, if you're wealthy, you're probably of a certain race, blah, blah, blah. And, um, I think I I just lost my, no, you're good. I I think it'll come back. No, no, man. Before we get off of it, I just want to wrap it up because I think the way you closed out your statement was the most powerful part of it. And it wrapped up everything you said perfectly. Um, so I wrote it down word for word. I just quoted it just so everyone listening could hear it. Um, to wrap everything up, man, to the privileged, play your part and detach yourself from the idea you are responsible from the sins of your father. Serve your neighbors while never considering yourself as greater than any other. To the oppressed, please do not let your resentment manipulate you into acting a way you wouldn't be proud of. Um, I thought that was very powerful, man. Very true. Um, it's, you know, to, to break it down for the dummies listening, white people, in a sense, I feel like privileged, play your role and just be a good, genuine human being. Minorities, don't allow a minority group of individuals ruin your perspective of the groups as a whole. So, um, I, I really like that, man. And it's just been crazy how my big thing is just to be mindful of how things are going to make people feel. You know what I mean? But, you know, I, I want to get deeper, man. I want to get deeper. You you were talking about the elites. Yes. You were talking <laughs> about the elites, man. Yes. That's a real thing in our country, maybe even the world, man. Um, who are the elites to you? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> I would say the elites are, I don't know, the people, like, certain intellectuals, I believe, are elites. Like, people, and when I say intellectuals, I don't mean, like, you know, people who went to college. But I'm saying, like, people whose job is to literally just come up with, like, ideas of, like, how a society should operate. And, like, not actually really produce anything and then just, like, you know like just pure thinkers who aren't willing to like actually discuss it you know yeah yeah. so do you think we civilians have any control yeah realistically yeah definitely do you Um, feel like they do have their own agenda and they do kind of yeah. not let us know a lot of stuff because they feel as though we I can't mean, handle it or for different reasons. No, you know I, I mean? think it's, I think it's, you know, power is a seductive thing, but, but also it's just some, I don't know. It, this is something I'm not, haven't really thought out to the fullest, but. I think we're capable of anything. I really do. I don't think it's like they're hiding ancient aliens and shit like that, like or UFOs or stuff. What? You don't think they found a UFO? I mean, it's you don't like think they found something. Well, it's like if they did find it, then like I don't know. I think we'd be I think we could handle it. Like humans are fucking adaptable. I don't and, think we could. Dude, I don't think if we knew there was a civilization that could come here and 
destroy everyone in a day if they wanted to. Well, dude, we, we can do that ourselves. Like, we literally fought a cold like war over the fact that we were literally an inch away from ju- doing just that. I'm saying the world, not just like a nation. Well, bro, it's like, all right. And this is like not me trying to be anti-animals or anti-nature like in the world. But it's like, all right, if we wiped ourselves out and like humans were gone, would it be any different from just like in, in a alien civilization blowing the planet up death star style like all the humans would be gone at that point our our personal relation to life on this planet is gone Gone. you know yeah it's a it's a a weird question but yeah yeah. i don't know my point is i think we could handle really anything i think the elites totally have an agenda against us i don't know what it is I don't think it's as easy to define as, you know, wealthy people against poor people. I don't think it's as easy as to define as like people who are solely operating on power versus people who are oppressed by those. I think it's a lot more complex. I think it's so much deeper than we can really even think about. Yeah. Um, And to cap that, I'll kind of tell you this crazy little statistic. So, like, re- restate what you just said. What? Which part? The, what you literally just said, like, how complex and, like, the levels to this. I think there's, I think it's higher than we can even fathom. Okay. I think it, I think it, it's not just, you know, I don't even think it's a President Trump type. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, I think he's definitely part of it. Yeah, and like, but I think it, it's even like i think i like for all right to give you names we don't even know to give you all right i agree but to give you names like there are some people that we do know and obviously a lot of people we don't know but it's like you know i think the nancy pelosi's and her people like i think the trump's and their people the bushes and their people the clinton's and their people like pretty much anybody who wants to make a political career I think are the elites of society. I'll, I'd say that's a good way <laughs> they're, to. They're under one umbrella, no matter the side. Yeah, no matter the side, people and I think who a lot of people operate. Don't know that. So I think, all right, I'll give the devil his due. Like, there are people who solely operate on a basis of just wanting to control people and like engineer society and manipulate people. Like, I'll I'll say that exists, and there are people out there, and there are people in power out there. I would say those same types of people exist in the group of the oppressed just as much. And I think an example of that is like, you know, think it goes back to my critique earlier. It's like, you know, take the communities, you know, highly. And again, it just happens to be a lot of gang activity in minority communities. There is in like non minority poor communities just as much. Don't get me wrong. But my point is, it's like you see that same like display of oppression of people with a marginal amount more privilege compared to their, you know, homie down the street. Yeah. And so my point is, you see it in every level of analysis. It just sucks that even like the group of people that we should hope is smart enough and rich enough to make our lives better, like we're bummed out and upset when they don't. And my point is, you see it everywhere, and so to say that's un- only unique to them, 
is yeah is just not really taking it into consideration yeah i think we misconstrue that it doesn't happen daily even you know me personally i'm i i had it better than some people in my same neighborhood you know what i mean so boom yeah i have privilege over them you yeah, know what i mean i mean I have, under their terms under their terms you know what i mean yeah and that, and that that's what it is it gets misconstrued of well well, they have the most. We want to say they have the most. You know what I mean? Well, let's understand that we do all have privilege at the same time. And let's not say that we just have no freedoms and we just have, you know what I mean? Well, I think that's something that's Here's the wild thing. The reality is we, you, in the eyes of, you know, the media or just like the, you know, the current movement. Yeah. People would look at you and say like, you know, one in a million black dude in Boulder, Colorado, like, and he's in like the lower income neighborhood of, of Boulder. And so they would say like, you know, like he's clearly a victim of the system. I would say having known the kid growing up, he was respectful. He had a good mom. He had a great stepfather his dad was still at least in the picture to an extent enough to like have a positive impact on him. Yeah. And like he gave a shit about himself. He figured out after a long, hard process, like what it means to like actually just be at peace with who you are mm -hmm. and then understand that that's the first step in treating others the right way. Yeah. And it's like, you are like privileged in many different ways but it's like we've narrowed our definition of, you know, like oppressor versus oppressed solely in this like lens of, you know, white versus black. like white versus yeah. black. I think that's and, definitely what the Black Lives Matter movement's taking it to right now. And don't get me wrong. It's like you definitely have. I've been with you. We've walked into gas stations that I've walked into and the clerk like actually is like off his fucking phone yeah and like if it was just me that probably wouldn't have happened yeah and like yeah. there's little things and i get that but i guess like my point as like your homie i'm trying to make is like I'm to you personally good. it's like you you're doing the right thing not because you know you are like a smart voice in your like racial community you're just a good person with a good head on your shoulders who was a product of a above average family and the above average environment above I was average blessed environment. and privileged to come up in. Yeah. You know what I mean? I tell people all the time, I'm more privileged to come up in Boulder, Colorado than Denver, Colorado, because yeah. BVSD school system is better, than Denver. High, is better than Denver. You know what I mean? In a sense, we're all privileged. So whether I'm a minority or not in that community, I'm a part of that privilege. So that's why I try to be mindful of that when I talk about things like that and not say, oh, I'm so oppressing this and that. It'd be, I feel what's going on. Because yeah, you're, you're not demanding day, things of people. I'm not demanding things. That's a things. huge thing exactly. you don't do, which is because awesome. Because what I try and tell people is at the end of the day, when I walk outside, I'm black. You know what I mean? Light skin or not. It doesn't matter. Yeah. When you walk outside, you're not black. You know what I mean? That is what I'm trying to get people to understand. But I'm also, again, being mindful that, hey, I came up in the same place as you. So that's why I'm kind of, again, trying to talk about it because I want people, especially around us, you know, like you were saying, our bubble, our who we talk to, who we interact with, you know, maybe not on a daily basis, maybe even a yearly basis. I want them to be like, Oh, he he understands and he thinks like me. I want them to hear me 
and not feel like, like you said, that shame that you have. I want you to have a voice through me as well to be like, hey, man, what's going on? It's not cool. And it's making me feel this way. And we talk about it, why it's making you feel that way, just to put it out there. Like I was saying, you know what I mean? I'm privileged enough to come here and. That's why I appreciate people like you so much who you, you, your family, your brother, your sister, mom, dad, everyone, even your grandparents, always genuine. You know what I mean? Always respectful, kind, welcoming. Um, and I'm, I, I was just blessed to have that. And I think that's what gets gets misconstrued, like you were saying, is we're now trying to put what an individual did on the entire group and the privileges became white versus black when yeah. re- in reality again we're all privileged yeah we're all privileged because i don't know we all have the capacity to make you know decisions that'll help us like i don't know it it's you've like you make good decisions because that's like what cj does like yeah. i'm i'm making good like it's, I don't a know. it's just choice. it's it's just tough because when we just associate privilege with something that's like unearned like that's like what privilege is yeah and it's just like to me my privilege to me doesn't come from the fact that i'm white like in my paper i say like yeah i might have had a better i might have started like 30 yards ahead economically or i might have less like shitty encounters with law enforcement but like outside of that like I'm no different as an individual from CJ. Yeah. And it's like, not like, and we, there's, we can talk another day, like about how I think those things like law enforcement and the economic standing had been getting better since the, like, since we were founded as a country up into like the mid 1900s. My point is something happened from the upward trajectory, like, and then it like, really really started to change like the whole nuclear family in the black community like and i don't think it needs to be a man and a woman per se but just two people who really love themselves enough to love each other and want to start a family like just the concept of a family unit i should say not a nuclear family has been kind of slowly collapsing not only in the black community mind you like every community yeah yeah. but which is another thing for another day but like that is happening, like there's been more, uh, to your point on the systemic side, you know, the discrepancy in drug charges, mm-hmm. like that's definitely something that needs to be rectified. Um, and all this stuff, like, I don't know, we just, I also, it's, think... it's been getting better. It got worse. We have a chance to make it better. I just hope that, you know, I hear you. I see you. I just think we need to be individuals and just not not have to signal our respect. 100%. And actually just live our respect for each other. 100%, man. 100%. Talk to me, switching, switching gears, man. Talk to me. You were talking to me last time about um, this company you were trying to get into. Talk to me about it. I want people to hear it, you know, get the word out there. It's not fully going yet. I don't want to say it is. Um, it's definitely in the works, but... I was very interested in it, man, and I want to hear more about it. I want people to hear about it, so talk to me. Yeah, so it unfortunately is a little bit on the back burner at the moment. Um, for everyone who doesn't know, uh, once I got late, I guess, furloughed from my restaurant job at Corita, um, I decided not to go on, on, on unemployment, just for personal reasons. 
Um, I was healthy and able to work. So I thought it was, you know, the right thing to do to give someone else another chance of unemployment. I'm not knocking anyone who, you know, didn't do the same. It's like, that was just my own choice. But, um, so I was highly motivated to develop a marketable skill after getting laid off as a restaurant employee, um, because I was working at Amazon Mm-hmm. And long story short, it's not fun to work at Amazon. <laughs> so I wanted to uh, learn cloud computing. So I purchased a couple uh, discounted courses on some computer programming in hopes of one day setting up a cloud infrastructure, which is essentially just a way to more efficiently scale up and uh, distribute the products and services you can offer online. Yeah. Um, like de- uh, implement that like expandable infrastructure uh, for my mom's company, um, Manon De Source. For everyone who's wondering. Um, shout, shout out to out, Manon. Yeah. By the shout way. out Manon. One of the greatest women I've ever met. So yeah. Shout out she's to Manon. she's rather rather amazing. Exactly. So yeah, she makes purple shampoo. She. She's a one of the leaders of the Silver Sister movement. Yes, sir. Um, hashtag so, Silver Sister. Hashtag Silver Sister. Got to get that trending. <laughs> Definitely. Man. Um, and so, yeah, it. Uh, I was going. I was studying this uh, technology of cloud computing in hopes of being able to be the IT guy for my mom's company, um, but that's been put on the back burner ever since I got uh, asked to go back to Corita. And I'm now just kind of focusing. It's kind of like we're starting a new restaurant. Yeah. Just given all the new uh, bringing everything, a new, a new system, a new culture. Yeah. Know, what it definitely has to be. a big uh, culture shift on for how sure. we're trying to operate. And I got you. Is so, it is it a lot different for you? Yeah. Like, it is. are you guys required to wear a mask all times? I mean, how we. Long, how we long gotta, do you think that's gonna last? I mean, probably. You think ever? No. You, you think it's gonna be forever? No, because we're finding out that. And I, like, I try my best to stay pretty diverse in where I'm getting my information. Yes. But the coronavirus data itself is relatively, like, even across the board. That being said, it the mortality rate we're discovering after we've been recounting the COVID deaths is actually more like the flu. Yeah. And so that's huge. It's transmissibility. The super transmissible virus was... Um, uh, kind of ran through the population and then it uh, evolved into a different strain in America, uh, but that's less contagious. And, you know, when everyone's freaking out about our antibodies and they're like, no, you still have that base COVID-19 virus that was the, you know, precursor to this, you know, American strain. And so, yeah, you might not have an antibody to that specific one, but that one's based off of antibodies you do have. Yeah. So, my whole point is I think masks and like this six feet thing will go down once like the public gets behind the idea that it's a deadly virus for older people and people with asthma or bronchitis or pre, you know, existing in issues. But the reality is it's not really going, if like if you have an outdoor seating, it's not going to like just sit there for three days just waiting for someone to like, get infected yeah yeah so to give you a timeline probably october for sure i mean 
You if, don't know, but you're just that's I don't your know. guess for sure. I I don't know. It's like jokingly, I say if Trump gets reelected, we'll probably have four more years of masks. You but think? if Biden gets elected, we're gonna have like an immediate end to all coronavirus restrictions. But that's just me know. being like dis disingenuous and unfaithful in media coverage. You think, but, you think, I'm going to play devil's advocate here, man. I decided everyone who comes on this <laughs> podcast has to be asked this question. Okay. Every, every single person. It's here. You were talking about the elites. Is Epstein dead? Is Epstein dead? Oh, gosh. I hope so. <laughs> um, it, no, if he's dead, like, did he people, kill himself? Uh, I don't think he killed himself. But um, you think he's dead? I yeah, I think he if he if he's dead, he got killed. He got got is my my take on it. But I don't know. I'm less concerned with if Epstein's dead rather than the fact that like the Prince of England was homeboys with him, that Bill Clinton was homeboys, All Trump these was homeboys. The documentary like, on Netflix is insane. Yeah, except you gotta think about this. It's I like, understand they're trying to sell and stuff, but they have well, first hand It's like, yeah, because all of the elites are like, wait, we can just use Epstein as our like, you know, like our our guy. Like so they're making this documentary of like it's clearly Epstein, like everyone's trying to be like Epstein didn't kill himself. Like, it was Epstein all along. We got to get to Epstein so we can, like, get him to testify. It's like, yo, we were this close. We had our chance. We blew it, all right? The media, the, the bro, elites, the, the elites it, got their way. They got their way. They got their bro. way. We should have had, like, a hundred just guards just chilling. No, bro, that, that's wall. what's so ridiculous about this. He's in a max security prison, right? I know. The scene is staged for sure. Yeah. He's in a max security prison. You just see oh, this little pool of blood kind of trickle in. I'm sorry. The, the cameras were off. The security guard on duty was asleep. It's like out of Ocean's 13 or something, bro. Oh, and then after the fact, oh, we accidentally deleted the videotape from that night on accident. We thought it was today's the next day. Oh, well, here's really? the thing, bro. With technology, <laughs> with technology, it's a lot harder to be the elites of society, because all like over time you're gonna get sloppy. You're gonna like. Let... I think this one's obvious, bro. Like, no, I think this is them clear, getting bro. sloppy, bro. They're getting sloppy. They're, they're getting sloppy. They're bro. getting sloppy. They're getting old. They're not able to comprehend how quickly things are moving. Yeah, bro. Th- this was sloppy. This was like so out there that. Not even is he dead or not, but did he kill himself or not? Yeah. Like, when you look at the crime scene photos and there's 10 orange jumpsuits in his cell and there's pencils and paper and this and that, like, what? Why is there, first of all, why is there 10 orange jumpsuits in, in someone's Just cell? Just deliver him one I'm a day. confused. Yeah, what's going on? Make sure like, he changes. Yeah, like, what's going on, bro? But, man, well, I appreciate you stopping through. Um before we get off, what is a message you want to send out to the listeners, man? In the uh, podcast, any way you want. Take as much time as you want. Um, just put anything you want out into the universe, man. Uh, I would say read read non-current books. And what I mean is like, I don't know. There's this, I'll give you three books everyone should read. Uh, one isn't a short book by any stretch of the imagination or a fun one, uh, but is kind of representative of what happens when we let our anger, resentment, shame, and guilt, you know, 
justify bad decisions. Uh, that is the Gulag Archipelagos by Alexander Solzhenitsyn. The Gulag Archipelagos? Yes. Okay. By Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Um, Solzhenitsyn. It's a complicated name. Yeah. Um, 2,100 pages. I have not finished it. Not even close. But it's just a... I don't know. It's like what happened to the Soviet Union like while it you know went through the process of murdering somewhere between 40 and 60 million people um i say that because it's just good knowledge is power and what that means is say that again knowledge is power and to me what that means is clickbait. having a knowledge. what's that that's my clickbait that's your clickbait knowledge <laughs> is power and uh what what that means to me is you got to know how i feel we all know inside how good we could be but we hate to think about how evil we could be. And when we don't think about how evil we could be, we're not aware when we start to act evil. And, you know, then comes in manipulation and corruption and so forth. So strengthen your mind by understanding your capacity for bad, essentially. So you know how to run away from it when you start acting like it. So read the Gulag Archipelagos. Um, read 12 Rules for Life by the great thinker of our generation, Jordan Peterson. Um, 12, 12 rules of life? 12 rules for life. 12 rules for life, okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, then third, I would say, if you really want to do yourself a favor and probably, like, you know, really make an actual change in your life, is share this video with your friends and family. Yeah. And yeah. get this word out. Like, get just encourage encourage your your circle and your own bubble of life to uh i don't know hear about what two knuckleheads from boulder have to say about things for sure for sure and uh we we always could have said things better so don't hold this at our next 10 years from now but definitely definitely man we're, we, we're trying to like at least just hear each other out which yeah hear each other out and we're just trying to put stuff into the universe and have genuine conversations man before we hop off Shout out to Manon, Stuart, Sophie, Jonah, Jaren. The whole Crespi. The whole, the whole, the whole crew. gang, man. Love all you guys. Hope to see you guys soon. Keep doing your thing. Um, I love to see all you guys growing up. You guys have all taken your own different paths, and you're all killing your own path. So keep it up. Crespi, I appreciate you stopping through. You know we'll do some more in the future, bro. Yeah, I appreciate anytime. you, bro. Thank this you. This is fun. <laughs> Thank you. See ya. For me and Crespi, we out. We out.